And that's the lesson to learn. And if you take one of the things from today, other than what black money is, is that even if you are thinking that you're going to demolish a place, still have it insured because now, yeah, it burnt, but the cleanup cost is massive. Welcome to the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. What's the real power of leverage? People think real estate is all about leveraging capital. Money is important, but what about the decisions we make? The things we do and don't do determine our success as investors. Choices and actions create success. Before we get to the bank, we make choices guided by mindset and by the things we do and don't know. If we want to succeed as investors, we need to leverage knowledge. We need to increase what we know so our actions pay bigger dividends. Join host Terry Schauer and Jean-Philippe Claude for conversations with leading experts in the real estate field. From mortgages to mindset and from macroeconomics to local market trends, grow your knowledge capital with us. Welcome to the Real Estate Investors Club podcast, where we seek advice to help us make better investing decisions. Hello, and welcome back to the Real Estate Investors Club podcast with Terry and Excel. How's it going, Terry? It's going awesome, Excel. How are you? Good, <laughs> good. Actually, we have some fun stories to share today in a dynamic of actually showing the reality of real estate investors and property management and everything that you might be going through. We thought it was important to share the daily reality. And Terry has an excellent story to share today. So Terry, why don't you start with your award? Sure. So this story is actually goes back a little while, but we're going to learn today about something called black money. Excel, have you ever heard of black money? I know the green bill, but I don't know black money. No. So for those of you who don't know what black money is, we had one of our tenants move out. And then I had the police call me and ask about this person, inquire about this person who happened to be living in one of my units. So, you know, I didn't really know the person actually kind of left in the middle of the night. So, you know, when that happens, I just be like, okay, I'm going to re-rent this and like, wait, wait, wait. your tenant disappeared in the middle of the night. Yeah. Is that common shit for you? Oh uh, yeah, it was at one phase. I used to run like more kind of like student rentals. So there was like almost like rooming houses. So that was like, I was actually yeah. super common at that time. Wow. And so then like basically the police came in and there were like all these, he left all these suitcases behind. And so like I went in and like, you know, when somebody leaves, like you end up having to clean out, clean stuff up. And back then I didn't have cleanup crews. It was just like me doing the cleaning. So I went and I opened the suitcases and there's like these bill size stacks of paper, like as if it's paper that would be money, but it's not money. Like it's done to look like money, but it's not money. Okay. Okay. So and then like, so I'm like, okay, this is kind of weird, but like the guy got, you know, he left like, and the police are after him. So obviously there's something sketchy. And so then like, I managed to like get the police to actually tell me what they were looking for him for. Mm-hmm. And it turns out it's this black money scam. And a black money scam is that basically it usually happens among immigrant communities. And what they do is they will like sort of pay someone to take money somewhere. Okay. okay. So they basically a courier. a courier, but it's fake. So what they do is they have these stacks of paper with bills on top. And so they make the person think that they're transporting like whatever, $30,000 of cash. The person gets there, they discover it's all paper. 
And then they basically like run a scam on them to put pressure because they were apparently carrying $30,000 and they stole them. Oh my God. Okay. I get it. Yeah. So they basically like tricked the person into believing that they were a mule for like a huge amount of money. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I see how, okay. Whoa. So there you go. I learned what black money is and here we have a tenant Darwin award. Okay. 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 So (laughs) I just want to understand the trick. So they'll give you a bag with like, let's say $50,000 in cash that you're not supposed to open. $50,000. And then you carry it, bring it from point A to point B. You give it to point B and then they open and they say, oh, it's fake. You scammed us 50K. Wow. Now you owe us however much money. And so it's like kind of an extortion racket where the person was anyways, like transporting way more money than they were supposed to transport. And it's usually like, they'll do it like, you know, with vulnerable people who are like, let's say bringing money back to, you know, whatever this, in this case, it was like to an African nation. So they're like bringing money back home across borders that they're not supposed to be doing. And, and so it's like basically a, like an extortion racket. Oh my God. <laughs> did you know, did you know if they found the guy or well, the they, person? Yeah, no, no, they busted him eventually. Okay. Yeah. Cause the police knew what, what he was like being searched yeah. for. Now, just out of curiosity, when that happened and people leave a bunch of suitcases and stuff, do you just like throw it all out? Do you give it out? Like, what do you do with everything that's left over? So let me segue into another story just because this is good too. And that will answer your question. Okay. So <laughs> earlier this year, I had a tenant do precisely that. So again, disappear and stop paying his rent. And then when you know we opened a file of the towel and we're going to go after him for the rent, the response was, well, Terry, I'm going to fight in Ukraine. And therefore, you just need to take back the unit. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so wait, so he was, so he was just leaving here to go fight in Ukraine. Apparently, and, okay. And so, like, he could just like he decided he was just going to leave his unit and like leave a bunch of stuff in there, but like fully take off. with everything in, inside the unit, like furniture, not, personal, like not everything, but he left behind his snakes and the food of the snakes. So like the like rodents that were being like grown to look after the snakes. Oh, the mice? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> why? I thought you didn't take pets. Well, no, I mean, we don't like, we, we take deposits for a dog, but like, you know, snakes. Not like, for I snakes? snakes. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay. okay. Anyway, so all that to say, basically, if there's stuff in the unit when the person leaves and it looks like they might be living there, you actually technically have to go to the tell in order to justify, like have them put an end to the lease Mm -hmm. because it's not clear whether or not the person's living there. If they leave and they've cleared everything out, it's called dégapissement. And in that case, there's like specific proof you have to do. So you have to do like a photo file and like basically prove that the person has just basically left in the middle of the night and taken all their stuff away. Wow. Okay. So, well, good to, good, good to know. I'm, I've never <laughs> dealt with that situation yet, but it's coming. Who knows? It's coming. So prop <laughs> tenant screening. Yeah. So now Excel, why don't you tell us about a situation that you have dealt with? So recently? I've recently dealt with a surprising situation. As I shared a little bit, I recently closed on two pieces, two lots and to, to build, to build a, a 17 unit, right, commercial, underground parking, commercial and 16 residential unit. And on it is a commercial duplex that obviously is going to need to be demolished in order for this new build to happen. So before we even closed, I, with permission of the owner and I have a, a procuration power of attorney, here I am corresponding with the city to understand the full procedure on the demolition permit, what it takes, how does it work, so on and so forth. And so I'm working on this with a, with, with a partner and it's about 5.30 in the afternoon. 
I remember very distinctly how it happened. I have two young kids, three and five years old. They're having dinner and we're in the kitchen with my wife. And I just get a text message saying it's burning. It's burning. It's actually. burning. It's burning. And I'm like, okay, it's burning. So like, what do you mean it's burning? Like, oh no, like apparently got a call and there's a, there's a little fire on, on premises and okay. So, okay. So about 15, 20 minutes later, I actually get a picture because now it starts to be in the news because the news travels very fast these days and of just like, you know, the building with a little, a little bit of smoke and okay. Okay. Well, all right. And so, you know, this, this is located about an hour away from, from my place. So I just thought no urgency, but I'm going to finish dinner with the kids. And then maybe around seven o'clock, I'm going to go, I'll go over there and just, just to go check it out, see what I, what I can do. And my wife had told me like, well, why, why would you go? Like, it's not like you're going to put out the fire. It's like, clearly, do I look like a fireman? And so I still decided to go. So here it is about 8 PM. And I thought like, oh, it's going to be done. And, you know, no. So there is probably like all of the fire trucks of the city that are there the long, long ladder, the guys are going at it to put the, the fire out. And there's literally like 12 to 15 foot flames that you can see from the streets. And at that point, I can see it's dark. I can vaguely see like a little bit of leftover of the structure. And I saw the moment where the city sent a bulldozer in there to literally rack it down and take it down. Wow. And I took a few pictures. I just thought like once in a lifetime, are you in that situation? I hope it'll be my only one time. No. And by the way, those pictures, Axel shows them to us at the office periodically. <laughs> once in a while, you know, to, to, to remind ourselves what we're going through. It's fun to look at pictures of here's what happened. And so now I'm dealing with it and the cleanup with the city. And the, there's also a slight contamination that needs to be taken care of properly not to be not to be played around with and so it's been a real learning experience when you have the uh, ministry of environment the city and the um and you know what i'm actually still taking pleasure out of it as much as i have to navigate through the bureaucratic red tape and difficulties where they all want it to happen quickly but no one else talks to each other and you're in the middle having to like link the pieces it's moving forward and i am confident that i will take it to a resolve it's just never did i think that i'd be buying a place that actually burnt before i closed and i'm not too bothered by it it's kind of weird and the irony also is that i was actually worried because the optics i thought were pretty bad because the day it burnt i was inquiring with the city about the demolition permit procedure and how does it work and what documents and literally that night it burns now we were aware that so this building was vacant it was a commercial duplex it was completely boarded up it'd been vacant for about two years and the city was pushing for the demolishing because they had numerous complaints of in the neighborhood of squatting and there'd already been a fire inside and now that fire was the end fire and it took it to, to an end. It's just that I was worried because put it, putting it bluntly, I was scared of being accused that I set it on fire where I have nothing to do with this, obviously. And uh, it's just one of those moments where you don't even understand how you got into this situation. So that's my little. Wait, wait, wait. wait. I have a question. So, yeah. so tell me, like, were there any legal repercussions from this? Because like when I, you know, I like we've we've been working together in the same space so like i heard this kind of developing but yeah. like 
what happens when this happens? Like, like, is it an insurance claim? Is it the police come knocking on yeah. your door? Like what happens? Exactly? Okay. So what happened is that obviously there's some costs associated to it. And the previous owner was held responsible for the financial side that I, that I'm aware of. He was also questioned uh, by the police, including someone else who has been close to the file. And I, I obviously I didn't get anything from, from, from the police, but yes, there were repercussions when it comes to insurance. The, there was insurance on the property, obviously for civil liability and so on, but no insurance for damage, knowing that that property was eventually going to be demolished yet. And that's the lesson to learn. And if you take one of the things from today, other than what black money is, is that even if you are thinking that you're going to demolish a place, still have it insured because now yeah, it burnt, but the cleanup cost is massive. And so there's an agreement with the previous owner and stuff like that. But it's just, you might think, I don't care if it burns. Yeah, but what if it burns and then the fire sets on fire your neighbor? You're responsible. No insurance is for you. So Eve, and we did an episode about that recently with, about risk and risk management and are you properly insured and so on. And you never think you're going to be in this situation until the day it happens. And I know someone else, he had a, a six spike burn when there was people inside and everyone made it out. But he was just telling me about the procedure to reloger everyone and this and that. Like, you better have some solid insurance because that stuff costs. The, the cost goes up very quickly. So there you go. That's my two cents. Excel. on. It. Thank you for that. And we're going to wish you a Godspeed with resolving your demolition issues with the city. <laughs> hey, I'll get through it. I'll get through it. And as, as, you know, as a real estate investor and developer, like that's how you create value is by fixing other people's problems and going through the hard situation that no one wants to touch. That's how guys like Luc Poirier decontaminate an entire neighborhood and make this a wonderful project. So the harder it is, the less people want to touch it, the more opportunity you have is this, you have to be ready to put your big boy pants on and deal with it. So big girl pants on or big girl pants on. Sorry, not to be sexist. (laughs) Thank you for joining us. If you like this content, if you have some stories that we just have to share, please reach out to us. Let us know if you want to enter the tenant Darwin award or the, I guess, owner Darwin award. If you want to like, you know, enter into this conversation, please share, like, subscribe, and you can message us with your stories. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, remember to give us a rating, leave a comment, subscribe, and share. You can find Terry at terryshower.com. Her book, Mindful Landlord, is available on Amazon. You can also follow her on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. JP is the president of the Real Estate Investors Club. You can learn more about the club's networking and educational activities on Facebook by searching for Real Estate Investors Club. Look to the show notes to find information on our guests and links to material mentioned in the episode.